Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to On Point. This episode is going to be brought to you by Jimmy Tarps. And I'm going to do that because Jimmy Tarps has offered a discount code to On Point listeners by using the code On Point and then one zero, all one word, On Point 10 is what it is for a 10% discount if you go to www.jimmytarps.com and place your order and then enter the discount code on there. He offered that to our listeners because he's been on the show a couple times, appreciates uh, the support that our listeners have given him and uh, just wants to kind of give back. So super, super cool guy, great family. And episode 63, if you haven't listened to it, be sure to check it out and uh, listen to a guy with a lot of backcountry experience and uh, especially on the food prep. I'll be definitely trying some of their recipes this year, but great guy, great episode. And on point 10 is the discount for 10% off Jimmy Tarps. And uh, just be sure to go use that and save yourself some money. Now, this episode is with Corey Miller. Corey is a guy that's been in the industry for a long time, owning XXX Archery and now working for PSE as a sales rep. And uh, his knowledge is is really unparalleled by, by so many folks in the industry. He has such a good insight, such good knowledge, and is, is an extremely humble guy. And uh, so we don't just stick with bows. We go, we go into answering some of the questions I've got from listeners and people on Instagram about stabilizers. What's the difference uh, between a budget bow and a Pro Series bow? And then we also dig into the PSE line that just doesn't get enough love. <laughs> they really do have a great a great product. And uh, Jim, or, uh, and excuse me, Corey does a great job of really educating and and uh, putting that product out there. So. With no further ado, there's a lot of information on this one. Corey Miller. All right. So <laughs> I I say this all the time on the podcast. I'm excited about this episode, but I've been I was just talking to those guys over there. And I, literally, I'm not kissing your ass. I've been waiting to get you on the show since about I started <laughs> since I recorded my first episode. And uh, it all stems from when you were back on the Gritty um, podcast and you're going over arrows. But you're not just going over arrows. You're going over the manufacturing of arrows and, like, how, you know, they, they decide the straightness. And then you're going over all this other in-depth stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, since then, man, and, and a couple other podcasts, I've just been dying to have you on my show. So Thank you. Thank you for coming on to the show. So I, I'll let you do your own intro. Just tell, tell the audience who I finally got on the show, and, and uh, we'll, we'll hit this thing off. Um, it's Corey Miller uh, with Triple uh, X Archery, uh-huh. and uh, now I just started a new adventure. Um, I'm a regional sales manager for PSE Archery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I cover the northwest of Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and Montana as a sales representative for PSE. Mm. Um, as of right now, I still have the shop. I, you know, I kind of pop in there once a week, uh, sometimes twice a week. And other than that, then I'm on the road now in all the other archery shops out here. So it's kind of nice now that I can help them, yeah. uh, you know, better their shops or, you know, or just, you know, answer questions. And and, and that's kind of been a dream. It's been a, a goal of mine for quite a few years. And so it finally came true and uh, I'm excited. So I've been doing it for about a month and a half now. Yeah. And so when you talk about PSE uh you you and I um worked together on getting some reviews done Mm -hmm. on YouTube and um when you when the news got out that you went to PSE um I'm like that totally makes sense that's like the right guy for the job because you're the only guy that I've ever been reached out to to do a review because you felt that the PSEs weren't just getting the love 
there was nobody doing really reviews of them. And and to PSC's defense, they come out with a heck of a bow. And I would say starting with the, about the Evolve cam, probably with the Evolve cam, that really changed, turned me back on to PSE. Yeah, when, 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 when we came out with the Evolve cam, you know, sales just really started to go upward. Really? And every year since then, you know, at least in my shop and I think most of the shops around the country, that mm -hmm. the sales has just been going up, up, and up. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just been such a easy cam to shoot, easy cam to tune. Uh, we're getting great speeds. Uh, you've got customization of let off from anywhere from 65% to 90% mm -hmm. in that Evolve cam. And, and so it just draws like butter and we're getting great speeds. Right. With with the reviews that I've done, um, you know, the on, on the carbon bows anyways, the, the handle was always my hang up and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But outside of, outside of that, they probably outperformed or right up there with the top of all the other bows. Like it, it just was not, I, I, I'm a sucker for like the grip handles. Yep. I, they've always had my favorite one. Um, the Hoyt with the Halon was kind of like on the borderline of I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. um, but with the, with the, the PSCs, where I'm getting with that is everything else for me was right. It was there. Yeah. Everything I wanted. Yeah, the grip, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where it it's really high on somebody's priority. And other guys say, yeah, it is what it is. But the bow aims so well and the bow is so light mm -hmm. and it's fast. I'm going to overlook the grip and other people just, you know, they just can't get past the grip quite yet. Um, so, you know, and that's, that's great feedback that PSE needs and we need to mm -hmm. know that. And, you know, so when we start building bows and talking to the engineers at the factory, you know, what, what do we need? What are we hearing out there, you know, in the field? And so all that feedback is good. And that's why, you know, to see you doing reviews and doing honest reviews, you know, don't hold back, you know, if there's something that, mm -hmm that you feel is is not up to par or can be improved you know definitely highlight that out just as much because we need as much information to keep moving forward if everybody just says it's just oh it's perfect well then <laughs> how do you make perfect any better you right know? so there's there's always going to be room to grow and and so we're going to do our best to keep moving forward with that well i, I heard an analogy the other day from uh brian at day six we're talking about broadheads and um you know he's like what we're trying to do nowadays we're trying to fit 10 gallons of value in a five gallon bucket and he's like mm -hmm. you're going to have to choose where what areas you're giving up and, and stuff like that in, in your opinion i mean with where bows are at today how much better can they get and what can we do moving forward <laughs> you know i I keep saying it, and I've probably been saying it for the last 10 years, that I don't know if we can get them any better. But they seem to always Find slightly improve, whether or not it be in the draw cycle or, or the valleys, the mm -hmm. let off, the back walls. Um, the precision of getting better limb pockets that we're not getting stuff moving around. You know, little it's little improvements. And so some people don't notice it nearly as much. You know, we, we started running quarter-inch axles on a lot of our upper-end models and i think that's been a, a, a bigger improvement than what people think it is as mm. far as i think the bows have tuned out a lot easier um so things like that um uh, and i think it's going to still probably come down to uh, material we're building bows out of you know because it's going to either be aluminum or carbon and i think carbon is we're just now starting the carbon part you mm -hmm. know and uh, so i think it's we're going to probably see carbon become better and stronger and uh, in different ways. It, it, it in the carbon game. I mean, with with the RX threes and stuff like that. We're talking six hundred dollars. We're talking six percent more for 
the bow versus the aluminum with, yep. with their bows and stuff like that. Because a lot of the flagship bows are still a thousand to eleven hundred bucks. You know, RX threes are sixteen to seventeen hundred dollars. Um, and I just, you know, when I'm making a decision, when I bought my RX-1 last year, is, you know, is this, I want a carbon. That was it. That was yeah. the driving factor in me buying that bow. It was not 70% better, in my opinion, or 60% better. And I bring that 60% because that's the cost inflation yep. over a aluminum exactly. bow. Exactly. And I guess where I'm going with that is, is are we going to see the benefits of carbon sh- start to show the, the cost inflation here? Because it's just right now, it's kind of a status symbol i mean it's kind of like look at me look what i got yeah yes and no and i think you know um the when when customers will come in and and to buy a bow i always do an investigation like let's lay out what's most important to you and is it weight is it axle axle is it brace side is it cost is it speed is it valley you know list those one two and three and and i think pse has a huge category you know catalog of bows that will fit and we'll be able to find a bow that fits that guy's priorities um so it, it all depends and it's and it's a little bit tough with the with the with the hoyt one there's not a a weight difference value to ratio of cost you know uh, where the PSE, you know, we're a pound lighter, which you definitely feel that pound yeah. lighter, and and our upcharge is is I think three four hundred dollars, so it's it's a little bit less, and I think we're really really light on on the physical weight, so I think we're getting a little bit better value out mm-hmm. of it, you know, but there's always some give and take with that, and so it's like you were saying, like the grip. So if the grip is very important to you, mm-hmm. then the value of of maybe our bow doesn't fit your category. Okay. You know, so maybe maybe you're going to have to give up and maybe shoot an, a lighter aluminum bow that has a different grip that fits you. Right. Um, you know, so as long as people stay true to what's their most important thing, then it doesn't become a status symbol. But when people don't have a plan when they're buying a bow and why they're buying a bow, then sometimes it does come into status. Right. Like. Well, for me, it was like I've never had a, a carbon bow, and I've always heard how nice they are in cold weather. I had some plans to hunt some some late season stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and I'm like, it looks it looks cool, it looks really cool. I'm like, I just want I just want to try it, and I could shoot it good enough, not as good as my Synergy that I had or the Halon Six that I had, but you know, I I tried it so I could have also my own testimonial about it, and yeah. I know that. My statement that it's a status symbol, you know, for me, for a lot of folks, um, I feel like it is, and I know that's a strong statement that'll probably piss some people off. But, you know, the for me, I was less accurate with that bow, and at the end of the day, accuracy is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, if I I shoot this BTX thirty one better than I did my sixteen hundred dollar bow, yeah, and you know, I think this complements me better as a shooter. If if I was shooting the regular RX one, I, I probably wouldn't be saying that. Yeah, it's because I was shooting the turbo. And the good thing with you is, I mean, you're you're truly looking at the the performance and saying, you know, mm-hmm. how well does the bow hold? You know, what are my groups like? How easy was this bow to tune? You know, yeah. those are important things versus a guy who says, well, man, I you know I killed a big bull with this thing. <laughs> well, I've killed my big bull with a five ninety nine bow, <laughs> so yeah. it just happened to be that guy walked in when I had that bow. Yes, so, um, it's, you know. It, I think, you know, I've hunted with a carbon for three years. 
absolutely loved every one of them. Um, and I, so I shot our first one when we had more of a tech riser to it. Um, really enjoyed that bow. I loved the grip in that bow. Mm -hmm. um, we were still running the the, um, the hybrid cam system on that. And then we went to the 34. We started running the Evolve cam. And, mm -hmm. and I like 33, 34-inch axle axle bow. So I really enjoyed that bow. And then we came out with the Stealth. And I hunted with that last year, enjoyed it. And definitely, it is warm, and it is light. <laughs> Idaho backcountry, yeah. and we get snow, and we get, yep, you know. That's where I was doing And And it was like, yeah, this is nice. Yeah. Um, this year, I might regret it, but I'm going to go ahead and shoot uh, an aluminum bow this year just to kind of change it up. Um, I have never, I don't think I've ever shot a, a bow 31 inches hunting, so I oh. want to shoot it. Um so far, I've been on a Texas hunt with it and really enjoyed it and shot real well. Um, oh, perfect. We got pellets. Good. We ran out of Traeger pellets for you guys that are wondering what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I can eat. Yeah. If you want to fire that up, Mike. <laughs> um, so you said with improvements to the carbon and stuff, and, and I want to know because it really kind of confused me when uh, Prime hit the market with an ADA 2X riser. Um Main reason why is is this irregular? Are they just selling a, a standard aluminum? And what I want to know is, with with aluminum, if it if an 82x is better than a regular aluminum that we're using for risers, why isn't everybody using it? Like, what's what's? Yeah, I mean, you know, and I I'm pretty sure it, now. And if you look at the way they're constructing the riser, where everybody else is now building risers, we're we're putting in more bridges. Um, making the riser fatter, you know, and then, you know, having material taken away and strengthening it up that way. And so Prime's really not adding much more material and they're still maybe keeping the rigid mm -hmm. riser. And as you get into rigid risers, stronger platforms, unfortunately the average guy's not gonna notice that technical stuff. It's, it is very minute. Um, target guys will understand that they'll see it a lot of guys when they shoot in their backyard and they shoot you know we shoot really well because we're not under stress mm -hmm. and and having a good time then when you get under stress that's where a target guy is going to actually realize that this bow is starting to get loose on me i make a slight mistake in my shot and my misses are bigger um and so that's where you, the, the term forgiveness comes into play and, and this bow's not as forgiving. When I get under stress, the, hmm. the riser becomes weak and it, and it shows it in the, in the groups. That's so, really interesting. I've never heard that before. And I'd love to hear you even elaborate even more on that aspect of, as far as uh, describe weak and stuff like that with, with the riser. It, it's, it, if you've ever put a bow in a press, mm -hmm. you can press the bow and you watch the riser flex. Yes. Yep. So... Almost all the risers will flex, but when, when you do have maybe a little bit more flex into a riser, when you become not making perfect clean shots, the, the groups open up. And, it, and it's kind of the same thing with high let off. High let off is very nice to shoot and fun to shoot. And under without being under stress, I can shoot that bow very, very accurately. But the minute I get under tension a little under stress and either it be a thumb pressure you know into the riser um bow arm getting a little stiff my my mistakes are magnified with high let off or weaker risers hmm. and 
so I try to find that happy balance of where, because when it comes to hunting, it's usually it's a one-shot opportunity. Mm -hmm. Everybody's a little bit different. Some people totally just wig out. Other people, it's just like another day at the office. They pull back, put the pin on there, and shoot them. Right. I'm not going to notice anything. Right. I'm not one of those guys. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I could. I, you know, I shoot tournaments all the time, and it's like... <laughs> put a heartbeat on it and man i'm i don't know why i get i get excited um, really I, i'm getting better i don't get as like excited until the arrow hits it and then it's like same here then it's it, it's a combination of nervous excitement because if that thing does not crash or fall down within five ten seconds i'm extremely nervous because when it happens right it is over and it's over quick yeah and otherwise, I'm that I, same way. I am, I am, I've, I've shot enough of them that I've been on the roller coasters way too many times. And so I'm, if it doesn't happen, I'm, I'm like almost depressed. Like I, I, this is going to be a roller coaster of emotion. I'm like that with bears. <laughs> bears? Bear hunting, man. Oh. It's just those, those things. I mean, if they're still moving, they're still lead flying. Yeah. I, uh, I've never, I've never bear hunted. I've, oh, there's really? a lot of, a lot of hunting I've never done. Um, mm. You know, owning a shop really cuts into yeah a lot of spring bears. You know, spring is really uh, in the archery industry. It's it's a busy time. This mm. this time of year is kind of a slow time. A lot of activities going on. Yeah, you know, guys are already now they're 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 hunting. They've got graduations. They got family vacations. They're doing yard work. Mm. Um, there's all these other distractions. You know, and mm. and they're occupied doing that. And then. Then you'll get a little bump with the tag results, and then yeah. and then the oh crap, <laughs> two weeks. Archie, Archie, <laughs> man, it snuck up on me again. Yeah, so. well, I I want to get into the risers again, and then kind of this will segue mm -hmm. into another part is um, with a cast riser mm -hmm. versus a, a an aluminum riser. You see the budget bows with aluminum or with with cast risers, um, and I would like to know uh, in in from your experience. Why are they, I mean, it's probably cheaper to manufacture a cast riser, yep. but what are the benefits between bumping up to an aluminum versus a cast, and why are they kind of it, break it, that down? It, it, it kind of goes back into that, that whole consistency, accuracy thing. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there's a handful of archers that really honestly aren't ever going to notice the difference. And, and that's honestly, it's a good thing. I mean, you don't have to. Like I said, I've killed my biggest bull with a 599 bow. Mm-hmm. That bow shot lights out. Hey, you know, what, was I really wanting to go and sh try to shoot a tournament with that bow? Probably right. not. But as hunting bows go, you know, we can way overthink a lot of this stuff. And, you know, especially PSC, I think we make some of the best, if not the best, mid-price pointed bows. Right. I mean, you are getting a heck of a bow um, for that $499, $599 price point. Mm -hmm. is just an amazing piece of equipment so it, it's so minute I, I honestly couldn't you know if we put them in machines put them in a hooter shooter and shot them you're not going to notice the difference with really them. it's it's not like that riser is just like a you know moving around now limb pocket stuff that that comes into a different play yeah you know if you've got a sloppy limb pocket it's not attached really precise it can start moving you can get play into there um, 
And I notice on the cheaper ones, you have plastic limb pockets typically versus aluminum, and then yeah, you can say plastic. I can say polymer. We can polymer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Glock. I don't think Glock says that their their guns are plastic. Yeah. Um, so, it's <laughs> a good it, point. You know, it. I think there's different grades of plastics uh-huh. um, or polymers, and uh, you know, so we figure out how you can cut cost and still maintain strength and and keep everything extremely strong. Well, that that leads into what are the, what are some other things that you're giving up with a typical budget bow? Because these are common questions I've had since I've been doing the budget bow challenge. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, you know, what are you giving up? I'm like, well, you know, you're you're losing the aluminum risers typically and stuff like that. And but as far as like actual performance, you know, you know a lot of times it's it's more hand shock, it's more this, it's more that. Yeah, it, there's some benefits. You know, you can sometimes get a lighter weight bow because we are running a polymer limb pocket, mm-hmm. um, like the Drive XL. That bow comes in, I think, at 3.8 pounds. That's right That's where I like a, to be. And it's a 33-inch axle axle That's bow. That's right where I like to be. That is a dream, just to, to feel that bow. Yeah. Long, straight riser, points on target extremely well. Typically, though, you know, as you get down in cost, sometimes you don't get as much speed. Um, but like the bow you tested, the Bow Madness um, Unleashed, it's a bow shooting three, 340. Yeah, 3B. Was it a 3? 3B cam, which is the same cam that we run on the drives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're reaching, but your brace height gets down to 6 again. So huh. on the drives, we'll give you a little bit more brace height mm. slow the boat down a bit. Yeah. But, you know, you can still get 340. I mean, there's a lot of companies that are barely mm-hmm. getting 340 out of a $1,000 bow. Right. So... Yeah, that's a good point. It's hard to say that you're really losing much on that, but typically it's it's going to be speed. Um, but some of the positive is saving some money. You can put some good accessories, and I think accessories are just as important as, if not more important. You know, it's like taking a Sendero rifle and putting a Tasco scope <laughs> on there. Yes. Yeah. You know, so you can take a a budget type of bow and put a really nice arrow rest and a, and a good sight and pick good arrows and become a good archer and being the good archer is more important than any of it in my opinion well you're you know you were a stage four coach or what no your level i've never four? i've never you never been certified any, oh really nope um never went through all that oh, okay paperwork. i thought, I thought uh, for some reason i thought you were a coach as well nope. um so i i guess with with your experiences at the pro shop, what are the most common mistakes that people make when buying and purchasing a bow? Because I see that all the time. They buy expensive bow and then just put shit accessories on them. That's you know that's you know that's sometimes you because everybody has a budget. So if I spend all my budget in the bow, then I don't have any budget left right. for the accessories. Right. Um, so it can hinder a little bit. Uh, you know, but that's something that you can then slowly keep buying a better rest or a better sight or, you know, better arrows the next year, the next year, and you're doing it in smaller chunks. Yeah. But I don't think that you, you can't buy success. I mean, there's so much stuff out there that is really, really good that outshoots majority of us. So yeah. I, you know, I, I, really strive on if the guy is an average archer and i build him a set of 200 dollars arrows and i put you know this and that on there is is his groups going to get that much better because if you're not pointing at the target you're not <laughs> holding and you're slapping the crap out of the release i mean yeah. it, that stuff's not going to fix any of that you know and, and we did a 
prime example of of that uh, at the shop with Cody. We took a PSE Stinger, you know, two ninety nine, three nineteen, single cam, mm -hmm. short little bow. Mm -hmm. We put a long stabilizer on, put a single pin black gold side on there, and he shot a Vegas round, shot a three hundred. <laughs> He's a heck of an archer. He's yes. basically a little machine, and but to prove that that bow will do it, yeah. You know, if you have a right archer, so I feel like the bows. I kind of wanted to do that test yeah. without truly offending, you know, somebody and say, "Man, you really suck at archery here." <laughs> I want you to shoot this high-end, really expensive bow, just to show that you didn't get any better, and then take a really good archer and and an untuned, just regular normal bow and watch him. Right. I I saw that, and that happened probably six or eight months ago. I'm guessing, if if I remember mm -hmm. it, and. Uh, I, I saw that, and I was, like, so happy that somebody finally came out. Because that would have been kicking around my head, and I'm not a good enough archer to go out and shoot a 300 with that setup. Like, I couldn't do it. And the fact that somebody did it, I'm like, that, I don't know who that is, but that guy is a stud. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, there's a there's a handful of people that can do it with a target bow, you know, mm -hmm. set up. Yeah. Let alone, you know, a, a 299 bow off the shelf. Right. Um so it, it really does come into the archer. So, oh, thank you. <laughs> I I wish I wish you know archery shops had more time, I guess, and or we had more coaches, um, especially out here in the Northwest. There's really not a coach. Uh, we have a lot of talented archers out here that have no, had no coaching. And so much of it is mental, mm. and and that's where I think a coach can help, and and a coach can help break down, and and you know a lot of people I say, well, do you practice? And they say, well, yeah, I shoot all the time. You know, I shoot about 100 arrows a day. And it's like, well, but are you truly practicing? Are, are you, you practicing breaking your on? shot down? Are yeah. you, you know, what are you working on today? What is the goal? Is it, is it, the release? Is it the aim? Is it my grip? I'm going to work on my grip today. Is is uh, am I working on my anchor point, or am I just shooting arrows? Am I just practicing scoring arrows? You know, so most people just shoot arrows, and they they judge how the arrows went downrange on how good they did today, and, and instead of breaking mm. it into into smaller pieces, and and that's where coaches can help. You know, get a structure. Say, you know, we're going to work on this part. It's like every other sport. It's not just keep doing one. Doing thing. the same you, thing. You, you break it all down. I'm glad to hear you say that because I, um, when I go to the range, I'm one of the only guys there, not to toot my own horn, but I'm one of the only guys there that usually has an intent. Like when you, if you talk to a baseball player or, or a coach and you're going to ask, where are we going to practice on the day? And they're a baseball team. He's not going to say, we're going to practice baseball. Exactly. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. So like a lot of my YouTube channel, I'm practicing certain things or I'm focusing on my shot process today. But part of my shot process, my release, I'm focusing on my breathing. I'm you know, there's all these things that I focus on and practice on. And then there's also some days where, yeah, I am just shooting for fun, yep. right? But in order to get the finer details down, you have to practice the finer details. You just don't practice baseball. Yeah. And that's the, the frustrating part is it seems like there's, there's a lot of people that are willing and want to, like, buy the best, newest thing. And they've, they've researched it. I've listened to podcasts. I've watched this YouTube video. I've done all this <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And, I, and I've and I've come up with this calculation. I want X amount of FOC, and, and I'm going to shoot this. But they they haven't done any 
of the other important parts of saying, and I'm also going to dedicate, you know, four months of just really learning how to properly execute this release mm-hmm. or, you know, balance this bow out to where it holds and, and the bow reacts the same way on a shot. You know, it's not about getting a bow perfectly balanced. You know, most guys will put stabilizers, target guys will put mm-hmm. stabilizers on a bow to cause resistance. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand when you're talking about resistance. It gives me something to push against, something to, you know, lift up on. And then when that bow fires, it's going to react that direction every time. Interesting. So if a bow is perfectly balanced and you can put your, put it on your finger and then, ooh, look at it, that means I can make that bow move any direction while I'm aiming. There's nothing to to try to slow it down from that. And so if I'm shooting comfortably, everything's good. And I start getting a little pressure into that thumb. Now the bow starts kicking out to the left. Mm-hmm. Um or if I start getting a little bit heel, then the, bo- the bottom of the cam starts lifting up. Mm-hmm. So if I have a ton of front weight and a ton of sidebar weight, I can't, you know, manipulate my grip enough to change how that bow is going to kick on the shot. Interesting. So a, a lot of people judge bows on, oh, man, this bow's the best bow because there's absolutely no vibration in it. It doesn't make it hold, and it doesn't make it react on the shot. So... It, it, it can get really, really techy when you start right. going down that road. And, and like I said, a lot of people don't want to go down that because that's hard work right. to, to understand. It's easy to, not always easy to, to pay for things, but it's easier to you know, feel like I'm, I'm just going to buy this and I'm going to become better. That's a good point. Well, I do get the question a lot is, is how do I choose a stabilizer? And my thing is, in my opinion and i love to hear what you think about this is is it's user preference and a lot lot of it depends on what bow you're shooting Mm -hmm. um and really just go test them out and see how you react with that stabilizer and see how you shoot you know if it's increasing your accuracy then yeah it's probably a good stabilizer for you now if it's not doing anything from anything for you're still wandering around your movement's pretty shaky then it's probably not doing anything for you so is there a general rule of thumb or, or how would you help somebody choose a stabilizer typically if it's if it's like it's a brand new guy and he's really never shot a stabilizer and he's getting a new bow i'll tell him not necessarily to buy a stabilizer right now okay go home shoot the bow get familiar with the bow get familiar with the sight picture but this is kind of goes into a different category of if the guy's a drive-by shooter <laughs> he doesn't hold on dot and right. aim and execute shots then it's hard for him to ever notice anything Hmm. So now all he's doing is adding weight to his bow, and hmm. he's still going to drive by and swing and punch the trigger. It's not going to stop any of that. I, I wonder why. I had a buddy who doesn't shoot with a stab, and then when I told him, like, try it, it will make a difference. And it didn't. He's like, I, he's like eh, me. Didn't, yeah. Dad yeah. didn't really notice it. And, and that makes sense now. So now, so then if you've got a guy that does point, and he, and he puts the pin there, and he holds the pin, and he's starting to squeeze through and pull through the mm-hmm. shot, that pin hums or that pin dips up and down or sways mm-hmm. back and forth, makes big violent movements, you, you start taking notes and saying, what's this sight picture looking like? Now I come in and I put in a, a 12-inch bar or a 10-inch bar, and, oh, sight picture becomes a little softer. Mm-hmm. Well, let me add two more ounces of weight to that. Mm-hmm. Ooh, now she's floating. Really nice. I'm going to add two more ounces. Oops, now she's starting to dip. Okay. Uh, you know, it's starting to get some... It holds, 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 and then I get a big violent 
dip bangs or big movements out of the out of it. Maybe I need to back that stabilizer off a little bit. Um, so it, it, if the guy's not a an aimer, it's almost pointless. <laughs> kind of in a way, it becomes a good bow handle. Uh, carry <laughs> you bow carry it over your when shoulder, you're yeah. doing a lot of bow hiking. Um, <laughs> I never thought about it like that, especially with the guys. And, and and to be honest with you, I think that's. I don't want to throw everybody under the bus, but most people seem like they are flyby shooters, and and because I, I throw that under the realm of target panic. And and, and it is, and that's and, and if you're a, a hunter, there's typically not a lot wrong with it. You don't shoot enough to get full blown wigged out. Like I can't even do this anymore. Yeah, this is uncomfortable. It's not fun. It's painful. And I've been there. I've, mm-hmm. You know, I was I had target panic so bad that I went to Reading. Which is a safari dot. Everything's marked. And you got orange dots on animals, and I was so scared to actually be able to put my pin anywhere near the animal that I had to look at the animal, kind of gauge how far the armpit was to the dot, and mm. add that much yardage. And I would put my pin in the armpit and squeeze the trigger. Really, I could not point at it. You know and, who? And, and I was so close to just giving up and really just like quitting um and i still have target panic and i think everybody still it, it's always there right so for some people that's why they don't shoot leagues because yeah it flares up and they don't like it and yep. it's not fun no and so and that's why some people like shooting 3ds because it's a blank canvas they kind of well there it's about there and they about and mm-hmm. they shoot yeah and they have fun and it's and it's good that makes a lot of sense um, but where where the target panic thing really starts getting is when the guys then are starting to try to aim and hold on target real well, um, and then they're they freak out and then they punch. You know, mm. That's when disaster. If they just accept that they're going to kind of drive by and swing away and punch, right? They do fine, you know. But they're yeah. Not. I shot like that for years, and before um, John Rains, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm sure you probably yep. know who John is. Um, and I was in there and I, you know, he recognized that, you know, Garrett shoots pretty good, but I was talking to him. I'm like, I want to get to the next level. And then he's like, you know, the difference between me and you. And I say this all the time on the podcast. I'm like, no, he's like, you're how bad are your off days? I'm like, like 80 yards. I'm like, Oh, like pretty bad, you know? And he's like, yeah, mine are like that. He's like, my off days, you know, I'll shoot like this on a good day, but my off days are like that. He's like, yours are so much bigger because you're flyby shooting. And that just opened up my whole philosophy on shooting now. It's like. So that, that just totally made comes sense. comes back to that, that whole other thing of my mistakes get magnified. And so when you have bad shooting form, mm-hmm. those mistakes get magnified. When you have maybe a, a weak or too, too stiff of an arrow, the magnification of the misses get bigger because of the, the mistakes. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they won't shoot and shoot really well, but... You know, instead of missing by a half inch, now you're missing by an inch or two inches. And as a target guy, that that's huge. As an right. average archer, they're like, yeah, that's still inside the pie plate, and which is fine. You know, yeah. um, that's why I say so. A lot of guys aren't really going to notice some of the minute little. That makes sense. That makes changes. a lot of sense. And and I get that question so often. It's like, how much weight should I add? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> like, it, I don't and know. there is, you know, and I get the question all the time still about arrows. Like, well, hey, I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> build me this perfect arrow, and it's like it's it's not that simple. I mean, I can build you an arrow, and it's gonna yeah. probably like, shoot unbelievable. But it, it's 
is it going to be the best? I don't know. Yeah. You know, you have to take responsibility and you have to be able to be good enough to under to see the differences, uh-huh. you know, and, and still even to me, I mean, I know my guidelines and where I'm going to do, but I still test, you know, what is this particular bow? What is this particular arrow? This particular broadhead want, does it want four fletches? Does it want three fletches? Does it want more helical or less helical? Yeah. Um, and I, I let, I let the bow do its speaking for me. and That makes a lot of sense. I, I want to go over another area that we touched on, but we didn't get into it in greater detail, and, and it's the budget bow um, mm-hmm. thing. And, and you made a statement that you thought bud, PSC had the market on the budget bows, mm-hmm. and I totally agree with that. The, um, the problem with PSC for me is I don't have them anywhere near me. So, guys, the, I get kind of hammered on online uh, on the YouTube channel because I don't shoot the PSCs, and guys are like, well, why don't you shoot the PSCs? I'm like, same thing with the primes. I don't have any near me, man. Um, yep. Same thing with the obsessions and all this stuff. But I honestly really do believe, and I totally agree with you, that they have the most performance and the most to offer between, you know, under, you know, especially under a thousand bucks. When you start really breaking it down and saying, what am I getting for this dollar value? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing that can touch it. I mean, you're getting fit and finishes, unbelievable. Um, the draw cycles are great. The valleys are great. The the speeds that we get, there's there, there's not a, a bad thing wrong with them. Right. Um, as far as nobody near you, hopefully I can fix that now that I'm, that's my job. Yes. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, I need to uh, work on some of your local shops and, and, yeah. and get the bows in there. Um, so... Well, the uh, the the brute. I, do you guys still come out with the brute? Uh, no. Okay, that was one I, my buddy bought. This was his first bow, and and that one had a lot of hand shock. I'm like, it's not a bad bow. It's got a lot of hand shock, mm-hmm. but we can fix that with stabs and stuff. And, yep. and and I'm like, but you know, everything else is there, but it does have a lot of hand shock and stuff. And and so outside of that, I mean, you, you, you're gonna have to be nicer on your critiques with the with the budget bow. I mean, you are you're losing quality and you're losing a little bit of here and there uh shootability probably a little bit yep. um and so you know i'm not as near critical on my budget bow reviews as i am say a you know a seventeen hundred dollar hoyt mm-hmm. and i feel like if a guy really wanted to save some money he could have a killer bow with good accessories great accessories um well and the thing on on like i kind of going back to that hand yeah, shock yeah doesn't make the bow bad no it's my yeah, preference. That, well, and and not saying this bad about you, but Go ahead. the a <laughs> lot of people who judge bows off of hand shock, uh-huh. they don't understand what else am I supposed to be judging off of. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, did you go this bow points? Mm. Extremely easy. It just holds on target and then it goes donk, okay? <laughs> but man, I am just pounding arrows together. So what's more important? Having no vibration in the in the handle, right? And you're shooting a four inch group instead of a two inch group, right? So and for me, it's accurate. Like I said earlier, it's accuracy over everything. And and, and, and a lot of times, unfortunately, shops, yeah. you know, they they don't put a sight on the bow. Yeah, they, they don't, don't. They don't put anything on. They say here, draw this thing back and shoot it. And you're like, okay, well, this one's got some hand shock, and they shoot this one. This one doesn't have as much hand shock. This is, I'm going to get this one. It's a better bow. Mm-hmm. Then they go home. They put a sight on it, and they put their stuff on there. And then they come back and they say, man, maybe I need a stabilizer. This pin just it wiggles. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, if you put a sight on there before you purchased the bow, you might have seen that this. 
design of the riser doesn't hold as well. And it can be the grip angle, it can be the grip location in the riser, it can be the deflex riser. You know, the I don't judge a bow off a of spec anymore. Mm. You know, and I, I think way too many people are guilty of that. They look at they look at the specs and say, oh, this is a seven inch bracite bow. It's going to be more forgiving than this one at six and a half. It's not true. Mm. Prime, you know, the their CT five isn't it like a six? It's six and a, a lot of them are right around six this year, just over. And that bow points on target extremely mm. well. Mm. And PSC is doing the. You know that same thing with our evokes, our evoke 35. Mm -hmm. We're starting to run really long, straight handles, and we're running short limbs. So we're bringing the string to the riser instead of reflexing the riser, bringing the riser to the string, keeping a long limb. Mm -hmm. So the more riser you have out in front of your hand, the more that bow is going to actually want to wiggle in your hand at full draw. Mm -hmm. So I don't really necessarily care about brace height. I'm more about riser shape. How's this handle? Is it slightly straight or is it slightly deflexed or is it really hard reflexed there were some bows out there not going to name names that had a huge seven inch forgiving brace height mm -hmm. but when you put the bow against the wall the limb pocket was eight inches in front of the grip hmm. and people bought into the brace height that this bow is going to be extremely forgiving yeah. and they all noticed that the bow just wiggled back and forth in their hand um you know, so we need to re-educate people on same thing with short axle axles. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I can't shoot a short bow. I get that a lot. It, uh, guys other, are like, how do you shoot? Other than yeah. string angles, yeah. you know, when when the whole short bows aren't aren't as accurate. What we did in the in the in the old days, we had you know 16, 17, 18 inch limbs on, on a handle. And so we made a, you know, there are 42, 43-inch bows. So let's, hmm. let's make the bow 36. So all we did was we cut the riser down, and we left this big 17-inch, 18-inch limb on the bow. So we had no mass weight left, no, no riser. So the bow just would not hold. It would wiggle. Hmm. So we all started saying, well, man, these short bows just don't aim. Hmm. Well, now you look at a, a lot of these bows, it's 35-inch axle-axle bow, and the riser's 33, 34 inches you got a massive piece of aluminum there, which that bigger, longer riser, it takes more energy to move that bow top, you know, top to bottom, make that bow move, wiggle back and forth. So we can shoot shorter bows because we're running longer handles mm -hmm. other than our string angle. So there comes a point where a 28-inch axle axle bow is not going to work as well at a guy's certain draw lengths because of the string angle. But a 28-inch bow and a guy... 28 and under draw links probably really going to shoot really well mm -hmm. um but people keep thinking you know and you can get overbowed um i like on target bows i i don't shoot enough to manhandle a 40 inch bow anymore because hmm. a 40 inch bow is bigger bow nowadays because we've got a big yeah. riser now and i don't shoot enough to manhandle that bow anymore so i'll shoot really good shots but then my shot process starts breaking down in tournaments and i'd break down faster the older i get i keep you know all mm -hmm. this stuff changes faster and faster as we mm. get older same thing with a lot of stabilizer weights they'll hold for a little bit but once that once that shot starts to break down and that pin starts to wiggle i can never get it back under control oh really so if i run a little bit lighter stabilizer i'll get some muscle spasms where it's like whoa and then it will come back and it will sit again and boom, shot will break. Hmm. 
So I've found for me that 36, 37, 38 inch bows, I shoot better than 40. And so same thing with the guy with the short draw length. He can outbow himself, and he's like, well, you know, everybody says this 35's the craze. You know, you got to have a 35-inch bow, and he's a 26-and-a-half, 27-inch draw-length bow. He could just be overbowed, and, and so he may shoot a couple good shots out of it, but then, you know, shooting it throughout the day, his groups open up. Mm -hmm. He starts learning bad form, bad technique, and it's not the best thing for him. So you went over a lot of stuff there. I want to I wanna unpack some of it real quick. <laughs> so um, with – Going back to the brace height, I've never th thought about the brace height in, 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 the, in relation to the shape, actual angle and the shape of the riser and the reflex. Um, that's something that I'm going to have to start looking into. Because and, and, and it's, it's all about how the bow points. Right. And like I say, so if we don't put sights on bows right. and guys just shoot bows and, they, and then they look and say, well, this one's got a 7-inch and this one's got a 6-inch, I think I'm going to stick with this 7-inch brace height. And they really don't know. They could both shoot exactly the same, but you're giving up roughly 10 feet because of that brace height. And if that 6-inch brace height holds and aims just as well as that 7-inch, it's mm. going to shoot just as well. Mm. So... Don't don't be. I mean, a full throttle that we mm -hmm. came out with. The cam was just aggressive, and so if you weren't a, a puller through your shot using back tension and right. pulling through that shot, that cam would eat a lot of guys' lunch. But that riser, five inch, five and a quarter inch brace height bow, that bow flat out would pound. I could shoot Vegas three hundreds with that thing. Really, it would point, and it was extremely fast. But I also understood that the cam was so aggressive that I had to shoot really low poundage. But I could still shoot a heavier arrow and still shoot speeds. Hmm. But unfortunately, a lot of guys get egotistical about <laughs> I'm shooting elk and I need 70 pounds, and yeah. you know, and I, you know, I, I bought speed bows so I could shoot 55 to 60 pounds. And okay, yeah, that makes sense. I work easier on that. And yeah. So I want to go into the shorter, uh, shorter axle to axle thing as well. And you spoke a lot too about a lot of the um, stink around a shorter axle. ATA bows. Mm -hmm. um, I get a lot of questions on, you know, because I used to shoot a tree stand edition uh, X Force, mm -hmm. just a yep. super short bow. Yeah, and killed, it was a short riser, short yeah, bow. Killed a yeah, killed some stuff with it. Um, could shoot it, you know, as far as I could, my abilities would. I mean, I shoot it 100, 120 yards. Nope, could I could do that? But I always had guys saying that you can't shoot or uh, short ATA bows very far. Do you know where that would even come from? Well. The the problem with a, a short little bow like that is that the bow, going back to like that perfectly balanced bow, uh -huh. I can move it any direction. And so when you start running a short axle-axle bow, it doesn't take much right. to move that top cam left and right. Right, okay. It, it reacts faster. So there again, it's not the most forgiving bow. If you shot it and shot it all under control, that bow will just put them in the same right. hole all day long it's an efficient machine so it's when you get under stress or you know windy it, it, it's going to react a little bit faster on the aim so when you know instead of that bow floating it's probably going to move a little quicker okay yeah because i've always wondered that i'm like well is there something that pre you know prevents people accuracy wise from doing that or is it is that like an adjustment on the bow because i'm like i've never had a problem shooting a short ata bow long distance like that's well, I used to. I still prefer, you know, like uh, uh, the original Halon. I think that was a 31-inch axle-to-axle mm -hmm. bow with a big cam. So the string angle was actually better than what you'd think. 
Um, but that's actually a really common question I get a lot is long range on a shorter ATA. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it, it, the only other issue that can come into is going back into that string angle. A lot of times when they get string angle, the string actually comes further back into their face mm -hmm. and to get that string to the tip of their nose. So now they've got the string past the corner of their mouth, and they actually have a lot of face contact on that string. Now you put 85, 90% let off on top of that. Right. It's kind of a disaster. It's it, it's going to get really, really finicky. Well, for a long draw guy, it would make or, sense, or, too. Or we all have these big beards now. That's the craze. <laughs> so now you're going to... I'm, I'm not in that one. You're I, not in that one. This is, a, this is actually not a shadow. It's a lifelong adventure here. <laughs> um, so... Like, I, I have a friend who shoots the, I think it's the, the Vertix, um, and he's got a long draw, and his peep is pretty damn close to his top cam. Yep. <laughs> so, okay, I could see adjustments problems being there, um, but it's just it's just a really weird question I get all and, the time. And, and really, sometimes, you know, with those really short bows, uh -huh. shooting extreme downhills, those guys will start losing the peep. Like, man, where'd that thing go? Because your form is changing, and you're mm -hmm. like, where is that peep? Yeah. Um, but they'll, they'll shoot. I, I took home, was it last year when we came out with our 28 mm -hmm. and that was a fun bow to shoot. I really, I was so, cause I, I brought it home and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a review on the bow. So I took it home and I really put some arrows through it and I was like, I kind of want to hunt with this thing. <laughs> this is actually fun. It, it, it's maneuverable. Like this is pretty cool. And I was just pounding arrows at 60 yards with it and and it, luckily it was an all black one and a customer of mine came in and he wanted a bow for his ground blind on his elk hunt and he bought it so i didn't have mm. to have that confusion because <laughs> i already had my carbon bow already set up and and i'm like i felt so guilty about yeah ditching this carbon that i've been shooting for the last three four months and styled and ready to go elk hunting and then go I think I'm going to jump ship to shoot this 28. <laughs> but luckily the guy bought it and I didn't have that. Oh. But it's a fun it was a fun bow to shoot. I really enjoyed it. Well, I've talked to some guys that they you know, they want that lighter cuz after carrying it around the Halon, um my my priorities shifted. I'm like I want a lighter bow. Yeah. <laughs> so um but you can also go to like you can get blown around and and I think your arm's probably the worst sell um in a lot of lot, especially if you have a bunch of jacket or something on. Yeah. Um, the, the wind on the shooter really does affect it, but having, having a little bit of a heavier bow does obviously hold better. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to go over some of your, some of your actual bows that you have right coming out, uh, or that have, have came out for the, for the budget area. And then we can get into some of the pro line bows here too. So, um, we talked about a, a few of them, which is the budget bow that I shot. Was that the, so you shot the bow madness unleashed unleashed, which is our, a bow that we, we put, we have. We have two versions. We have a mainline bow, mm -hmm. which that mainline bow you will find at Sportsman's Warehouses, Cabela's, Bass Pro Shops, Pro Shops. Anybody and everybody would sell that bow and can sell that bow. Uh -huh. um, and that's that's our top-end bow that we do that with. Um, and we'll have a couple other bows, a Ferocity and a Ramped, that are in that 499, 449. Mm -hmm. Really, really nice straight riser bows. Um, really short limbs. They're, they're they're fun little bow. And then we have what we call pro series bows, which only are available at pro shops. Typically, you're going to be a little bit, a little bit higher end, uh, a little bit faster bows, typically, um, but more of our our upper end stuff. So you shot that bow, and 
the cam system on that is the same that we run on kind of the, 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 the newest stuff that we just released at ATA was the drive short draw and a drive uh, XL long draw. So on the on we, so we now we have three models of a drive. We have the short draw and the regular drive. They are they are 29 inch axle axle bows. Mm. Out west, we tend to buy into this whole short bow thing. Doesn't shoot, blah blah blah. Everybody wants longer bows. So the middle one for me doesn't seem to move as much. But if the guy's that 26, 27, 28 inch draw length, that that's the perfect bow. It's going to be a little bit faster of a bow. Hmm. Um, so we run the same handle on the short draw. We've made a, a, a mini 3B cam, mm -hmm. and it goes from 22 inches to 25 and a half, hmm. uh, 50 pound bow, and we can get it down to like 35 pounds on that 50 pound bow. So it, it will fit most kids and women to to go out and legally hunt with that bow, mm -hmm. and that bow is smoking fast. Um, really really impressed with how that bow shoots feels um and then the pro series bows we can get it in the kuyu camo cool. where our our main line bows we don't do it in in that and then you go into a drive xl which has been in my area like the hottest bow uh, really it's it's a 549 599 price price point bow comes in kuyu country and black riser it's a 33-inch axle axle, so it's like Western, you know, bow hunter's dream. You know, 33, it's 3.8 pounds, super light. Mm -hmm. And the biggest benefit that I find, and in, in same thing with all these other dealers, is that it's a bow that goes out to 32 inches in draw length. Majority of bows go to 30, 30 and a half. Hmm. There's a lot of, not a lot, but there's a, a majority of $1,000 bows that will go up to 32. But just because a guy has a 32-inch draw length doesn't mean that he's in a $1,000 budget. So now right. we can get him into a mid-price-pointed bow at 32 inches of draw length. And hmm. um, so that bow has just been hard to keep in the stores, honestly. It's just been selling. I hear a lot long. of complaints with guys with long draws. It's just the selection. Yeah, they don't have it. Yeah. It's, it's almost as bad as being left-handed. Yeah. <laughs> so... Right. Well, the uh, pro line bow that I shot was the Evoke. The Evoke 31. 31. And that's I the bow really, that I'm going to hunt with. I really like that bow. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't really, I, I guess you could say two things. Either other people inflate their numbers or we underinflate our numbers. I say we're just accurate. We're fair. Um, the hang tag, what it says it's going to shoot, we're usually within two, three feet of that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes on the plus, sometimes on the mo on the minus. But for the most part, I mean, that thing is is on the money for its yeah. specs of what it's going to be doing. I love that bow. It's, like I say, this is the first year I've shot a short that short of a bow. Mm -hmm. Bow holds yeah. extremely well. Draw cycle's great. Uh, we've got the, the ability to do 80, 85, 90. Mm -hmm. And if you really wanted to, you could do 65 to 75. Um, Which I think is a cool option. I wish more manufacturers would do the 75-pound option. Yeah. Yeah. The 75% lot. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I think, man, Not the, the 70-pound. Okay. Yeah, that's something, you That'd know, be cool. we, I, I don't know if I brought it up yet or not, but I, I will, because I kind of agree. I think we would, like, for me at my shop, 80-pound bows were custom-ordered only. Um, and majority of the people that, when I did buy 
80-pound bows for them. They end up turning them down to about 76, 75 pounds. <laughs> so if we if we did a 75-pound uh-huh. and a 65-pound, it would kind of f- fill that void. Yeah. Um, for out west, the hardest bows that we seem to be able to sell are 60-pound bows because of the whole egotistical um, hunting elk. I've killed majority of my elk at 60 pounds, hmm. but people still feel Want like that. they need that more um yeah it's really so having standard. a 65 pound bow sometimes guys are like okay well it's probably going to max about 66 uh-huh. and then if they end up shooting it at 65 or, or 62 it's not a big deal yeah well i i think we uh we've we've covered a ton yeah. and um i appreciate you coming on the show man it is a huge honor to be able to finally sit down and talk with you thanks i've been wanting to meet you for a few years now so um, if you uh, have any places or contact information or anywhere that people should go to check out you, your products, um, where would you ha- where would you send them? Um, you can get a hold of me through PSE. Uh, C Miller, my email on, on at PSE is C Miller PSEArchery dot com or PSE dash Archery dot dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook. Just under Corey Miller. Um, you can also get a hold of me through Triple X Archery. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, kind of that. I, I'm a little bit. I don't do a whole lot of Instagram. I need to get better on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm getting old, so it's like I'm just kind of getting Facebook <laughs> down, and now I got to try to figure something else out. And it's it's different, so I don't understand it. And it's probably honestly all the same. Yeah. It doesn't have as many videos and funny cat videos and <laughs> weird things on it. Instagram's so. probably the hottest one right now, but it's it's um yeah, I don't know, it's I don't know. If 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 none of them weren't necessary, I wouldn't be on any of them. It's a necessary evil? Yes. Yes. There's definitely days where it's like, man, I wish I didn't when I come <laughs> home, I didn't have to. Right. Um but it it is still nice. It's it's fun to it between Really, you know, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, mm-hmm. the amount of information that is out there for people to have is amazing on everything. Like, I just bought a new truck, and I researched trucks <laughs> and trucks and trucks, and my wife was probably sick and tired of watching YouTube videos on yep. truck reviews. Same thing, I do a lot of, like, shoe reviews on watching, you know, what shoes for running and and so it's pretty cool that somebody can get into the sport and really get a lot of information off of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But like just you. unfortunately, there's a, yeah, there's the other bad side of it where there's just jerks out there. That yeah. Well, you know, there's 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 that's just a person problem, and yeah, you know, <laughs> unfortunately. But um, I will leave it with this: is that um, you gave me some some really good ideas for my reviews moving forward. Is is start judging them more on the hold. Um, and stuff like that, and I really appreciate that because yeah, I haven't and really and judged them on there. And, and that's the thing is, you watch a lot of reviews, and that's one thing that I you know, people over that. people talk about is like, okay, the draw cycle is this, yep. the back wall is this, yep. and the vibration is this. Yeah. How does the bow hold? Yeah. Mine uh, is, um, I you know, I do test that, and, I, and, and you and I had a conversation and, uh, about the Sometimes, unfortunately, yeah, you know depends on the bow that you get to do the review so some bows don't have adjustability so draw length and draw length again plays into that aim and that's another great thing with PSE is that we can easily adjust our draw lengths without a bow press Mm -hmm. and so some guys just because you shoot x draw length in this bow manufacturer you might not shoot that draw length Mm -hmm. as good in another manufacturer 
So being able to, well, we're going to start you out there, go home, watch the sight picture, shoot the bow, move it two weeks later, move it out a half an inch Mm -hmm. longer, see Mm -hmm. what it does. Move it a half inch shorter, see what it does. See how, if the bow holds any better. I'll stretch mine out. I know 29 is as far as I can stretch. I can get to 29 (laughs) and a half, I can shoot it, but the pin dances a lot. Yeah. And so 29 for hunting is where I'm at, 28 and a quarter, 28 and a half for target. Uh, because I usually will use a scope, and I see more magnification, more movement. Oh, I see. And so at 29, it moves just too much okay. for me. That but on a hunting sense. setup, it, it's it's doable. I, I can I can deal with it. Right. Because I don't have magnification. So if you ever shot a scope, and then you start shooting a pin, you're like, this thing aims. I'm so stupid. Because you don't, you don't, you don't <laughs> see the movement anymore. Yeah, it's like trying to shoot a rifle on nine power. Yeah. I mean, you're going to move more. Yeah. But, uh, well, we could talk about a bunch of other things, and, yep. and hopefully in the future you can come back on the show. But Yeah, uh, and, um, you know, we'll be releasing some new bows, we're, and then I'll, I'll definitely hook up with you, and yeah. we'll do some Any reviews. ideas on dates? Um, Wheels, you launch October 1. Okay. It's perfect timing for elk hunting. You know, I'll have sales meeting in September. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be bad. It's right. usually like the last week of September for oh, us. Man. So we'll do, we'll do all our sales meetings, and we'll see all the new product, and we launch October 1. Our target stuff, we are have been launching a lot earlier for the target guys. Uh, right when the target season's ending, they can start kind of planning for the next year a little bit earlier. Cool. And I think we're going to actually launch Fourth uh, of July, maybe. Really? So be That'd kind be of cool. cool for a uh, target stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see that. All right, man. Well, yeah, I'll keep an eye out, and uh, yeah, we'll work together on getting some reviews yeah. done. And uh, appreciate you coming on the show, man. All right, thanks. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Again, this episode was brought to you by Jimmy Tarps, and I'm doing that because he is totally hooking our audience up with a 10% discount code by using ONPOINT10. That is ONPOINT10, all one word, and uh, appreciate him doing that. You have to go on to www.jimmytarps.com to get that. Uh, discount code uh, active on there and uh, yeah it's going to be active I think for a month is what we're going to do and uh, just really appreciate him doing that great people great family and a great product so I'll be using it this year and uh, totally believe in what he's got so outside of that thanks for helping me hit the review giveaway I'm hoping to get that announced tomorrow I might just pick somebody that left a review that way somebody that left a review wins because it wouldn't really be fun if somebody left a review and then wasn't even eligible or was eligible but then a bunch of people that didn't leave a review were eligible so we're going to make it somebody that left a review i'll draw the name off the review and then try to match the name to the person on instagram or something like that so uh we we hit 112 our goal was 100 and the winner will get a pack of the new day six broadheads which is really awesome thanks brian for doing that And uh, that's it. That's the show. So appreciate everybody for listening. I'll see you on the next one. Bye.